Is anyone here expectant? Because uh, there's a time uh, for that, and the time is right now. Uh, it's happening. Uh, I want you guys to jump to your feet. Like I said, we're going to finish this like we started. And we're going to read this verse one last time. Uh, and you guys know your bit, right? But by now, I hope so. That's right. This is uh, Ephesians chapter 3. It's Paul writing. And this is what he says. <clears throat> now to him. Now to him. I'm enjoying this. You guys ready? Yes. Are you going to like do this right? Yeah. All right. Now to him. Who was able to do immeasurably more. Let's do that one more time. Now to him who was able to do immeasurably more. Than all we can ask or imagine. According to whose power? His power. That is at work within us. You guys are like memorize this. To him be the glory. Where? In the... <laughs> yes, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Take a seat. I am. Um, there is. When I was in India, I heard this. Is, is there another guy, Craig Rochelle? Might have, might have heard of him. When I was, in 2015, I heard this story that he told. And ever since then, that story has rocked my world, and I want to share it with you. Craig was at a pool at a camp, and uh, he was just hanging out with his family at this like on holiday. And this guy comes up to him and says, Craig, I bet you can't hold your breath for a minute. And so Craig's a competitive guy, and he's like, game on. So, goes over to the pool, and this guy gets his, gets his stopwatch out on his phone, and <gasps> head in the water. Craig's like 20 seconds in. He's like, this is, this is pretty easy. I, I, I got this. And about 30 seconds in, all of a sudden he's like, oh, actually, this is actually a little bit harder than, than I thought. Then sort of at 40, 45 seconds, his lungs does this crazy thing where it kind of goes, and he's all of a sudden he's like, oh my gosh. And he's kind of like, he like recommits his life to Jesus. He's like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to make it kind of thing. But he's, he's competitive. And then sure enough, 50 seconds, 55, he's seriously, seriously struggling. And then minute. Victory! He's done it! Looks about as impressed as all you do right now. Not impressed. And, um, and, and this, guy, this guy said to him, he said, With my help, I bet you can hold your breath for two minutes. And Craig's like, what do you mean? I just, I was just about to dying holding my breath for a minute. He explained, well, actually, here's the deal. I'm actually like a, like a coach. This is what I do. I, I teach people. There's this thing that you need to understand, Craig, and that's that... The human mind doesn't actually know what you're capable of. That's a great thing. Oh, interesting. Okay, so he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to expand your lungs. And this time, none of, none of this stuff in, in the water. I just want you to, to relax. I want you to calm your heart rate. Gave him all these instructions. And so Craig followed the instructions. Expands his lungs. Calms his heart. Get in the water. Clock starts. 30 seconds. You're doing good, Craig. There's more in you. 40 seconds. There is so much more in you, Craig. You're doing good. Stay calm. Watch that heart rate. 55 seconds. There's more in you, Craig. You're doing so good. A minute five, Craig. You're already past where you were. 
there is more in you. Don't give up on me, Craig. There's more in you. Gets to a minute 30. He's like, right, what I want you to do is let out a little bit of air. Because what that's going to do is it's going to trick your lungs into thinking you're getting oxygen, but you're not actually. Because, you see, the mind doesn't actually know what you're capable of. And so then, sure enough, he's getting to a minute 45. Craig's starting to stress. He's like, focus on the leaf. There's more in you, Craig. Don't give up on me. And then finally, five, four, three, two. Craig comes out of the water. And the guy says to him, he says, Craig, you just held your breath for two minutes and 45 seconds. Craig's like, what? What do you mean? He said, I lied to you. Because there's this thing that you don't understand is that the mind doesn't actually know what you're capable of. I came here tonight to tell one of you that there is more in you. Maybe some of you, maybe even all of you, that you do not know that God wants to do immeasurably more in you. God wants to do more in and through you. And like we've, we've been on this crazy journey to get here tonight. We've been, we started off with the fact that God's grace is limitless. But in that, there's this flip side where God's power... Oh no, sorry, God's grace is limitless. Different message. The first night, we looked at how... Oh, it's just grace. It's the good news. This is not based on what we do, but it's based on what God does for us. It's based on the fact that There is nothing you can do that would make God love you more. And there is nothing you can do that would make God love you less. This is the scandal of grace. That is entirely what God brings to the table. And we just get to say, thank you. That is why we praise. I love the saying by Tim Keller. He says, to Christians, uh, he says this, to religious people, God is useful. To Christians, God is beautiful. It's this flip side where when you get grace, you actually see the beauty in this, that you get to bring your rags and you replace them for his riches. God's grace is limitless. And then uh, on Saturday morning, we looked at the power of Jesus. We looked at the power that we have in the name of Jesus and that we get to represent that authority, but that it's actually a flip side. And that's that um, God's power is made perfect in weakness. I was excited preparing for tonight. I was in my bed and I nearly fell asleep. And I was like, God, I need a prep for tonight. <clears throat> I had this thought, yeah, less of me, more of you. Because when I am weak, you are strong. And when there's less of me, it means I give God the glory because I can't do it on my own. And that's the truth that Paul knew. He goes, God's grace is sufficient. We want the healer, not the healing. We want, the, we want to have less of us and more of him. And then we get onto, um, and then Rochelle just brought the message of hope. That we have been... That we have hope because Christ indeed has risen from the dead. And because of that, we have a hope that we cling to. And I loved hearing you guys share about that, that we cling to that hope. And that because Christ is risen, it changes everything. Mic drop. Jesus Christ. No, I actually drop it because it's expensive. Um, and I'm not that gangster. And, uh, and that what that means for now, it means that we have a hope Today, we have a hope now, and that means we need to go out, we need to share that love. Then Rochelle talked about, um, can you remember what Rochelle talked about this morning? Aim small. Aim small. The upside down kingdom. It's the fact that God wants to meet you here. He wants to see you move in your relationships right now. It's that God wants to meet you here. And then tonight, what I want to do is I want to do something different. We've been on this amazing journey to learn 
about God, and we've had these incredible encounters with God. But I've, I've titled tonight's message, I couldn't actually come up with a title, it was uh, Massive Dash Application Message, like with a question mark. So just like we did the other nights, I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to say, Application Message, like a question. <laughs> Yeah. So, def- definitely not as like punchy as the other titles, you know. But the catch with this one is that it's the application message. So, what I want you guys to be doing is I want you to be thinking about this. What I'm about to do is I'm about to go through five things, five things, and you're only allowed to choose one of them because one of these is going to speak to you, and you're going to go, "Yeah, that's me." That's my one thing that I want to take away, that I want to work on. Because the truth is, if you take away all five, you'll end up doing none of them. That's just, that's just how we're wired. So I want you to be thinking throughout this, okay, what's my one thing? When we leave camp tomorrow and all the, the hype is done and, and you're back at home and you're at school holidays and you're chilling, what's your one thing? So that's the thing. I do want to give this disclaimer. I always struggle with this kind of message where it's like a do message. Uh, actually, no, I'm not going to say that. Because I'll mention it soon. <laughs> I have um, uh, the first thing is kind of maybe one of the. I'm just going to get straight into the hectic stuff. Is that all right? Yeah. Yeah. Thought you guys would be ready for it by now. We um, uh, number one. So this this might be your one thing. This might be your one thing, uh, and it's increasing your confidence. For maybe some of you, this is the one thing you need to work on. I love that someone else used the term love yourself. You've got to be able to love yourself to love others. Um, let me just think about this for a moment. I, I was thinking about the conversation. Rochelle mentioned this thing called self-talk. And, I, and, I, and I was, when I was kind of preparing for this, I was like, stick with me massively. I was like, some of you here... When it comes to your self-confidence, you've actually, you're actually holding on. Actually, part of your identity is not in what God's called you to. For some of you, your identity is in, oh, I'm the shy person. Or for some of you, your identity is in, oh, I'm the person that hates myself. And that's my secret that I secretly hate myself. And you're holding on to that. The conversations that play around in your head are actually this negative conversation that, oh, this is me. This is my story. Oh, I'm the person with baggage. I'm the person that's actually always in pain. Oh, I'm the person that's, that's got my deal. I don't know what your deal is, but God does. And for some of you, this is the catch, is that you are actually holding on to this lie. And tonight I believe that God wants to break those chains. And the truth is that you were actually scared because God wants to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine. So you would rather hold on to that lie than step into the truth that God has called you to. For some of you, this is your one because you know you're telling yourself that lie. You know you've got that baggage. You know you've got that story. And I want to share a little bit of my own story. About a year and a half ago, my parents uh, started getting divorced. They're in this really messy painful process. Anyone here can relate to that? I don't know, maybe there's a few people, your parents are divorced. It's gnarly, right? It's so hectic. And uh, I was having this conversation with my mum. And I come from an epic family, right? We've got like, we used to have a skate ramp on our front lawn. Youth group started like in our lounge. It was like, we were like the family, you know? And I was chatting with mum about this and she was saying, 
this isn't our story because our family's really quite broken right now. And, and she was just saying, this is not our story. This is, not, this is, not, this is not our family. You know, we're the family that other people come into and they get grace from our family. They get generosity from our family. But this is not our story. And my mom's just super upset about this. And I was upset about this. And I was thinking about it and I was like, oh. That's right, God. This is not my story. And this is what God said to me. He said, Dave, you want to know the story of the Hockley family? It's that you're broken. It's that you're a sinner. It's that you were lost, but now you're found. And the story of your family is that I am born again. That I have a new room. That I have a new father. I have a new house. I have a new inheritance. I have a new passport. I am born again, and this is the story of my family. And I get to not hold on to the lies of the brokenness and the baggage, and I get to to, to go, that's not what God's called me to. And I get to step into what God has called me into, to rewrite the story. And that is God calling you into the story of the gospel, the story of salvation. Um, so for some of you, this is your one. It's self-confidence. You're, the, the conversation in your head is constantly bringing yourself down. And instead, you've got to let go of that. And it's going to take work. It's going to take time. I believe you're going to, some of you are going to get breakthrough from that tonight because God is going to give you the strength. God is going to give you the boldness to go, actually, no, that's not me anymore. I'm not going to be that person. This is verse in Second uh, Timothy says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's a verse for someone here tonight that you've been timid. Because in the conversation in your head, you've been timid. And from here, it's going to go into, nah, no longer. Because God wants to do more. And you want to step into that. So that's the first one. Oh, I did actually like an application for number one. How do you, so there's the self-talk thing. But one of the best ways you can combat this is that you get to know your maker. It's a crazy thing because no one knows you like your maker. And when you actually understand God and you understand the character of God... It starts to change who you are. But I want to encourage you to get to know your father. So, this is number two. So, that was number one. That might be you. Still with me, Massive? Yeah. Still with me, Massive? Yeah. There we go. Um, number two. This might be your one. It's loving people. I love it. A lot of the Bible, there's this uh, quite well-known verse, and it says... By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you follow Jesus, if you love one another. This is our badge. This, this is it. This is, I, I love the simplicity of this. I was like, uh, um, a lot of the Bible, in terms of like application, gets summed up as to, to love God and love people. Anyone heard that before? I know, it was like one of those things. It's just so simple. It's just easy. It's light. And I was like, oh. Love God, love people. And I kind of got this like little ring to it. And I was like, oh, just love God, love people. 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 It's simple. It's so simple, but this is the, for some of you, this is what you've got to take away. You've got to remember this. 
We've got to love God and we've got to love people. And it's like, <clears throat> this is cool. For some of you, I, we had a, I had a conversation with a couple of people and it was a little bit like, I'm kind of interested in this Christian thing, but I don't want to become like a cookie cutter Christian. <laughs> the truth is that, that some of you, you're still looking at like God, like he's trying to trick you. You still, you don't get it that God is a loving Father, there is grace. You think God's going to Houdini you, but there is so much more freedom. You know what I mean? He's going to bait and switch you. But he's a good father. And there is so much freedom to be you. He created you uniquely you. There is no one else that has ever walked this planet like you. There was no one else that will ever be like you. You are the one and only you. And God has given you individual gifts that he wants you to use in your own way, in your own style. The idea of cookie cutter is actually not theologically correct. You were made in the image of God, unique. And that means what Christi- how I follow Jesus is actually going to look slightly different to how you follow Jesus. And so I want to just encourage you, there is freedom in that. When I, when this, if this is your one, it's loving people, man, it's awesome. The world out there needs love. The world out there needs grace. And you have the ticket. You've got the power. You've got it. People out there, it's incredible what a kind word can do. It's incredible what generosity can do. It is, I want to share a story. There's one of my favorite stories. Um, there's this guy, there's this couple, Belinda, uh, um, Richard and Belinda Lord, and he got up and he gave one of the most hectic sermons I've ever heard. He got up and he was like, on May 17th, some day, I got diagnosed with terminal cancer and I have two kids heavy, heavy stuff. And he shared this story. And he said part of his cancer treatment was like not pres- yet prescribed by the, um, by like the government. So he was helping fund his own cancer treatment. His health seriously deteriorated because it was terminal cancer. And he has two children and his wife. And he, uh, they, so they were kind of running out of money. And they were in a real tight spot. They literally kind of had no money. And Belinda, his wife, wrote a list because they've got two kids, like a big shopping list of everything that they need. Had like nappies and cooking oil. It was just a real mundane, big, long shopping list. And they left it there on their fridge and no one actually saw that list. But what happened was is they got ding-dong ditched that night um, and someone left bags and bags of groceries. And in those groceries was every single thing written on Belinda's list that she needed to look after her kids. The world needs that love. And what the, the funny thing about that story is Belinda, to this day, still has no idea who did that. But someone would have been in the supermarket and thought, I need to show love. I need to love these people like Jesus. And they went round. It's obviously a mother, because I wouldn't know to buy nappies. <laughs> and and they, they had compassion. They brought love. And I love those stories. And this is what you have. You are the light of the world. You're a lamp on a hill. You're, this is your job to light up your schools, light up your classrooms. When was the last time one of you said thank you to your teachers? When was the last time one of you like voluntarily like cleaned the home for your parents? They'll be like, what happened to you at that camp? This is amazing. <laughs> we sent all our kids there. Um, but I want to just tell the, the, the little things. The little things. There is so much light. There is so much love. Love people. For you, some of you, this is your one. This is our mark as Christians, is the ability to love each other. And for some of you, it's got to go deeper as well, because I've heard a definition of love is that love sort of starts when it actually costs you something. 
which is really tricky when you think about love. Otherwise, it's kind of like a business relationship. I'll scratch you about you scratch mine. I'll be nice, you be nice to me. But when you care more about the growth of that person to the point where it costs you, that's the radical love that will transform this world. Because that doesn't make sense. That doesn't add up. And that's the, that's the scandal of grace. So for some of you, that's your, that's your one. It's, it's love people. The third one is, is, I'm not going to spend so long on, it's your character. Um, for some of you, this is your thing. Like, if you are a different person on a Friday night than you are to, uh, like, a Monday morning, the tricky thing is that God really cares about your heart. So, again, this is what I mean. Like, this is a catch. When I give a, give, give a really practical message, you've got to understand the world does not need a bunch of religious people trying to earn and muster and justify their existence. The world has plenty of people doing that. What the world needs is people transformed by perfect love. What the world needs is people that are so overwhelmed with the love of God, they go, how can I not want to praise you? How can I not learn to hate my sin and love your righteousness? And this is, this, this is what we call sanctification. It's this process of being made more and more like Jesus every single day. And it's this, it's this incredible journey that we've got to get on. But for some of you, this is what you've got to focus on. It's your character because God wants your heart. And you know there is something in your life that you need to deal with. That's um, many, many story about that. I had this amazing youth pastor that like did heaps in my life when I was growing up. And uh, we were, one time we were with him at the supermarket. And this couple got into a bit of a, like a, bit of like a domestic in the supermarket, just outside the supermarket. And Jeff is a man of justice. He's a... He sticks up for the oppressed, and he's a big dude. And uh, and he comes over to this this guy who was clearly being not legit with this girl, uh, and he said, "Hey, is everything okay here?" Like he just couldn't let it slide, you know. And this little dude turns around and he says, "Mind your own business," and he just chops him in the face. <laughs> he goes, now, now, just a unit, like, he's such a unit that my friend and I at youth group, our thing was we'd try and take him down. So what would happen is my friend Ben, he'd create a distraction. I'd stand on a table behind the corner, and then Jeff would go, oh, yeah, what do you need? And then I'd, like, yeah! And then Ben would get him around the legs, and he would just, like, yeah! It was, like, our thing. We were, like, he was such a unit, and we were, like, oh, Jeff's going to smoke this dude. Like, his nickname was Buzz Lightyear. So we were a bit, like, fight, fight, fight. But then Jeff, but here's what, here's what happened. Jeff didn't smoke that dude. He said, if you keep this up, I'm going to call the police. It's not okay. He said, probably drop a comment to the girl, you deserve better or something. And, or, there's more grace. And, uh, and then we got in the car and Jeff prayed for that couple. That is a man of character right there. Even when he gets punched in the face, he says, oh, there's more in me. <laughs> His name is Jesus. And he is the servant king. And he doesn't punch back. And, 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 and I don't want to encourage you guys. That some of you, this is, this is your one. It's character. You've got to work on that. So number four, maybe this is you. It's commitment. Again, really interesting one. Some of you in the, in the Christian world, you've been trying to kind of do some stuff for a bit of time. But I want to tell you, I just want to set something straight. There's a difference between, oh, I'm kind of trying to stop jerking off to porn. Sorry, that's probably inappropriate. So, um, so you've got to stop kind of trying to want to pray for your family. You've got to stop kind of wanting to like uh, serve more. You've got to stop kind of trying to wanting to get involved with this. 
you see, there's a big difference between kind of trying to want to do something, and I will stop at absolutely nothing until my friends and my community know the love of Jesus. There's a big difference. And for some of you, you've been potting around with this whole Christianity thing, and it's actually time that Jesus says, actually, you know what? I laid down my life for you. And I got so much more for you to step into because I've got I want to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. And so I've been praying for you guys that you might get a vision. Because I got this thing where I love this, I love just kind of like Hayden's been doing. I look out at you guys and I think, you are the generation that says no to slavery. You are the generation that goes to employers and says, it's not okay that you're just amassing profits and that you're discriminating people in your staff room. You are the generation that says, it is not okay that teen suicide rates are so high. You are the generation that will not, that says, it is not okay that we're riddled with anxiety and depression. Yet we know the King of Kings. We know the Almighty Counselor. We know the God of all comfort. And I'm praying that some of you will get a vision and because God wants to do literally a whole lot more like that story I shared at the start. You do not actually realize what God wants to do through you. Because God will, God will literally use some of you to break chains in this room. I'm talking about literal chains of slavery. Slavery is at an all-time world high right now. And there are organizations and there are people and if you're sitting here going, Christianity is bored... You know, on the front line of that, and I tell you what, and you watch God turn up, and you won't be saying that Christianity is boring. There, the world needs love, the world needs grace, and you guys are sitting on it. It's like you're driving in a Ferrari in first gear, and it's like, just open her up. God's waiting. <laughs> just, just floor it. Give it some jandal, you know what I'm saying? Quit like, quit like chilling out. There's this thing, if you step out, God turns up. It's crazy. And if you feel like you get dropped, God will meet you there. Because He's faithful. He's the one that writes the story, not you. So, but yeah, I'm excited. Because, like I said, I, I want you to choose your one. Um, I've got one last one left. Um... And that one is salvation. Can, I, can you guys remember on the first night I shared about the thief on the cross next to Jesus and the scandal of grace? Because ultimately Christianity whittles down to like, well, from my end, there's a couple of things. There's salvation. Boom. Mark in the sand. You go from lost to found. You go from an orphan to a son of a king. You become a daughter of the Most High. And when you step into the glory of glories and the holy of holies, and the people say, what are you doing here? You say, that's my dad. Come at me. (laughs) And they say, come right in. Because this is the story of salvation. And then there's the process of sanctification, being made more and more like Jesus. Every single day. Right? So that's sanctification. But for some of you, the salvation thing, you're on the fence about it. And I want to, if you've still got questions, we'll have time. Ask them. But there are answers. But I just, how do I, I'm just trying to think. I've got a lot of things running through my mind right now. And like how to articulate this because this is my favorite thing to think about. Um, 
There's a verse called Romans, uh, not called, it's just Romans 10 verse 9. And, and it says that if you believe in your heart, that God, we're going to check my memory here. If you believe in your heart, that's that heart thing again, uh, that God raised him, that's talking about Jesus, that God raised him from the dead. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Went to this big like theological thing. And the big question of one of the seminars was like, what does it take to be saved? These hardcore Bible buffs get up there and they just said one word, faith. It's a single word. What does it take to be saved? Faith. As far as the Bible concerns, study it, tear it apart, put it back together again, and you'll come up with the fact that it is faith in Jesus Christ, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And when you believe in that and you call on that, you're saved. Now the catch is I say that, and if you go, nah, it's too easy. It's too easy, preacher man. You're just, you're spinning the yarn, you're trying to reel me in. Then you do not see what it cost Jesus Christ on the, on Jesus Christ on the cross. You don't get, I've shared this illustration last year, because for me this just totally gets in. This guy, Miles, he got up, and he had his newborn baby son. He gets his son, and he goes, this is the crazy thing, because now I've got my own son. And he says, now I finally get why Jesus sent his son. Because I would give my own life for some of you. But if you even wanted to touch my baby, I would struggle not to seriously hurt you. Because I love my son so much. The idea that God would give his son is to say that God paid the highest possible price. God could not possibly pay a higher price for you. Some of you, I so want you to get this, that when you're at your lowest, when you're at your ugliest, when you've returned to that habit that you told yourself you wouldn't turn to, when you've just made the biggest stuff up of your life, you are so precious that Jesus Christ died for you. That's crazy love. That's reckless love. That's the scandal of grace. And for some of you, it's offered to you. I hope you get this, that that God waits. To me, that is just the most mind-boggling thing. A God that can... God has a universe. Do you have a universe? Nah, no one else really has a universe. And if, he, if it's his universe and he makes the rules, it's crazy that he would wait for you. But tonight I want you to just, no pressure, he's waiting. Um, so I just want to invite the band up. And I'm going to finish with this one thing. Um, what are we, has, he, has everyone got their one thing? Some of you got two, I know. <laughs> but I want to challenge you to one thing and I want you to think really practically about how you can put that into place and just as the band comes up I want us to take this a trip I want us to use your imaginations Eugene Peterson says that faith is closely tied to imagination it's closely akin to imagination I think that's why we love like Marvel comics and movies and that kind of thing because we love the idea of this this, this other world and I think it's built into us because it's the gospel and um, uh, so I want you to use your imaginations with me and we're going to jump in a time machine I think I also did this last year but who cares this is awesome um, we're going to jump in a time machine we're going to go back 2,000 years ago to a place called Golgotha place of the skull and what's just happened is there's a guy that has rocked the world, kind of like that video said, like we will never believe. 
He has just absolutely rocked the world. And there's these... Um... <laughs> Inside joke. And, uh, and this guy Jesus has just absolutely rocked, rocked the world. He's got this little series of followers... And, uh, and they started to freak out a little bit because he came to them and he said, guys, in a moment, I'm going to be uh, murdered. I'm going to be killed. I'm going to be slaughtered. And they're like freaking out. And they're all like, God, I'll follow you wherever you go. But then push comes to shove, they freak. They split. I don't know if you guys have ever been abandoned before. But Jesus was abandoned. Uh, and then Jesus basically got captured by these guys, beaten up. And then he got unjustly tried. For me, one of my biggest bugbears in life is like, if someone tells you off for something you haven't done before, you don't have that, it is the most, you're like, but miss, it wasn't me talking. And she's like, it was you. And you're like, I will punch you. Maybe that's just me. But I want you to get this, that Jesus was unjustly tried. He was unjustly tried. And and then there's this crazy thing where they literally whipped him. Within an inch of his life. I've never been whipped. I don't want to be whipped. Uh, but it meant he was innocent. He was whipped for us. It's this crazy thing. I've got this thing where like, if, you, if you've been hit without looking, it hurts so much more. I did this thing where they put a bag over his head and they hit him. And they mocked him. It's just this crazy thing. And then picture the the big kind of that cobbly marble stone of, um, where is Golgotha the best? Jerusalem? Yeah, Jerusalem. Great theology, right? <laughs> and, uh, and they drag this guy and he's unjustly tried. And then they whip him, they flog him. And then they lay him down on a cross and they get these big heavy nails and they drive him through his wrists and they drive him through his feet and they pull up this big cross. And there, like Rochelle said, this isn't even like a big deal. This is just what the Romans do every day. And for me, this is one of those like things where it just kind of like grabbed me. From the cross, Jesus yelled this thing at He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. Now, this is a crazy thing because how on earth are we as humans to fathom that level of humility? I loved how Rochelle said like, he was God and then he had elbows and fingernails. Like he's God. And then they nailed him to a cross. And I just think, what humility. Because for me, that moment there, that's when I would call down the legion of angels and like, hasta la vista, da, 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 and it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Where's the power? But the crazy thing is God was doing something so much bigger. He was achieving the salvation for us all. And I want you to hear that tonight, that God has paid for every wrong thing you've ever done, every wrong thing you will ever do, and every wrong thing you're about to do. God has, he's accounted for that. That truth hit me the other day. It's like God planned ahead for the sins that are doing, and he paid for those too. Which means I've got, um, which means I'm free. Do you have, do you get why that's like free? Because all of a sudden I'm not like, oh no, I'm like, man, God's paid it. I just want to praise him, he's so good.